All right, on today's episode of Windy City Rundown, we're going to do a, a bowl season preview. Uh, it's me, Luke. I'm here with Nick and Jeffrey, as usual, and we're going to preview the bowl season. Um, it's not supposed to be a great one. We don't have a whole lot of championship hopes or anything like that, but it should be interesting. A lot of young guys will be developing throughout the season, and opening night is finally upon us. Thanks for listening. Let's go ahead and get it started. NBA season is finally upon us. The preseason is finally over. It was kind of hard to watch at times. And the Bulls are ready to get going again. So uh, we're going to go ahead and do a preview of the Bulls season, kind of going through the depth chart, going through some of the players, and our thoughts on what we should expect. Um, should we do kind of an overview of the Bulls, first of all, what we look for them to do as a team? I mean, yeah, what sure. do you guys think? Like, Are the playoffs reasonable? Do you even want them to win, or would you rather have a, another tanking season? What's the call? I think they have too much talent on the roster now to tank. Uh, honestly, how, with how weak the East is, I think an eight seed is a possibility. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. They're not going to get a top five pick. This draft class isn't too deep. I don't think there's really much use in tanking this year. Yeah, I was going to say that, too. There's no point in taking the young, talented guys you have and just teaching them how to lose repeatedly. Sure. I mean, if um, if we assume that the seven non-Cavs teams from last year's playoffs will be in again, there's one spot left for uh, for a newcomer to take, and that could be Cleveland could take it again with Love. Uh, the Hornets uh, could get in, Pistons. But the Bulls have to be on that list of teams that have the chance to make the playoffs at least. According to Vegas, I think Cleveland has a less than 25% mm-hmm. they have a pretty, chance to make the playoffs. Their over-under is pretty low. Um, anyway, when it comes to the Bulls, I would have rather them not sign Parker and then gone the tank route instead. But now that Parker's actually on the team, it, it feels like they're going to be trying to win. Do you think Parker is going to be a piece they want to keep as part of the core moving forward, looking to be like a contender? So I have a lot of thoughts on this because he's signed to a one plus one. So after this season, the right. Bulls will have a team option whether they want it's to keep him or not. It's a safe deal. It is, and mm-hmm. it makes sense to do that. But what's the best case scenario? Like, what do you guys think? Is it that he? Sticks around as a role player afterward and backs up. You know what I mean? Like, what are, what is the Bulls' top hope? Is it a one year rental? Like, I don't understand what their goal was here. Yeah, I'd, I'm kind of on the same boat. Uh, if he's in your starting lineup as one of your best five players, <clears throat> uh-huh. you're not going to win a championship. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> one thing I can think is even if they keep him past this year and they pick up that team option, I mean. <laughs> Is it going to be a backup to Markkinen after that? Like, obviously, Markkinen and Carter are your bigs going forward, and I don't think you want Jabari to be your three-man. And the amount of money they put into Levine, too, you have to have a defensive guy at the wing. Yeah, I think with Jabari, it's kind of a best-case scenario. He stays healthy, has a good year for him, and they can, you know, pick up that option for the second year and maybe sign him long-term. But if things don't go as planned and he gets injured... Odds are Garpax goes up to him after this year. and. All right, Pinhead, your time is up. You know, you wouldn't like to see that happen, but it's a real possibility. Yeah, that's very well said. Good way to put that for sure. Um, So, yeah, in, in the long-term future, I don't really see how he's going to fit in. But for this season, it'll sell tickets. It'll make him more exciting, and it'll give him two or three more wins maybe. 
Yeah, I mean, a Chicago guy, you can see the city kind of rallying behind him. Hopefully he does well. I mean, other moves in the offseason, uh, the uh, drafting of, of Wendell Carter Jr. at number 7, then Hutchison at 22. You guys want to give your thoughts first on those two draft picks, especially Carter as being the higher one? Go ahead, Nick. Uh, yeah, so far, Carter, um, a lot of people weren't so sure at first, right, like right away, but since then I think a lot of people... GMs, players, just fans all around have, you know, thought of him to have, uh, being having a very high potential, a possibility of uh, even winning the Rookie of the Year this year. Uh, he's looked really good in Summer League especially. So, uh, yeah, that'll be really exciting. I think looking at Wendell especially, he's really polished already. He plays a mature style of basketball for not having played an NBA regular season game yet. Someone who's really high on him is Doris Burke. She talks a lot about him, like during summer league and even preseason. They, I know she was doing the game the other night on ESPN against the Pacers. But you can kind of see, and I was talking to Dave about this too. Shout out to Dunked. Shout out. Um, he he looks just kind of like one step, maybe half a step behind. Yeah. The game is so much faster than college basketball when you make the step up to the NBA. And obviously none of us have experienced it firsthand. But you can see it just kind of watching it on TV when guys make the adjustment. It sometimes can take a few weeks, months, even years for some guys. And you some can, guys never get it. I think Wendell is going to be fine. But you can yeah. see kind of just on pick and rolls, progressions of plays, stuff like that. He's sometimes just a little bit behind looking for the next pass or ready to receive a pass. He's just kind of but, – but, you know, like – I think it's really going to come to him, and he's going to have a great season. Yeah, it might be kind of hard for the next like two or so years with your two uh, starting big men being so young. Yeah. But so far they've looked so well together, and they just, I don't know, they click and they just uh, sure. complement each other, you know? Yeah, I definitely think the the uh, fit with those two is one of the biggest appeals of Carter going into the draft. and I was actually pretty high on him throughout the whole process. Another shout-out to a media personality. Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer has loved Carter. Even started kind of a campaign for him being better than Marvin Bagley, his Duke teammate, right before the draft. And he still says Carter was the top steal of the draft at 7. And even the rookies themselves in the rookie survey voted Carter to have the best career of any rookie, which I thought was pretty exciting. And yeah, my thoughts on Carter going into the draft... I figured he was going to be a high-floor, low-ceiling type guy because we've seen him do things like pass the ball, rebound, defend the rim. Worst-case scenario, he's still going to be pretty good. I don't see the bust potential that I do with a, a Trey Young maybe or no, yeah. somebody else. He's got a high floor, I think, is what you're trying for to say. For sure. But ceiling-wise, might actually be higher than I originally thought. I mean, we've all heard the Horford comparisons, I'm sure, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and going into Summer League, he actually looked so good defensively and – Offensively, he's shown some flashes, too, as a role man and as a passer. But the one concern that I have is perimeter defense. Because we all know centers nowadays have to be able to get out on the perimeter and switch screens. Um, Guys like Rudy Gobert, even Clint Capella a little bit, have gotten exposed on this in the playoffs over and over again when teams go small against them. And that's one of the premier skills that a big man has to have. Because defensive versatility is becoming the premier way to defend in the NBA. Everyone switches screens, and if you have a big man in there that can't switch screens, they'll just do that kind of play that we used that we all saw last year in the playoffs, where it's kind of like a screen, but it's more of a, more of a hold. All you're doing is forcing a switch, right. and then they'll ISO the big man. So Carter has to be able to get out there and defend guards, 
and that's the one thing that scares me a little bit is if you can't do that, he'll be tough to put next to Markkanen. But I do like the fit for sure because Markkanen can <clears throat> can play on the inside this way on uh, on offense, and Carter can stretch the floor and shoot threes. But on the other end, Lowry does not have to be the rim protector because we know he's he's not you know a great defensive player by any means yet in his career. I think it's a good fit. I'm um, Hutchison. You guys got? I mean, he's we haven't seen a whole lot. Twenty second pick, not a lot you can expect. But any thoughts on him? Well, we didn't see a whole lot of of any of him in college. Obviously, being at, I believe it was Boise State, right? Yeah. They don't get a whole lot of national TV recognition. Um, after they drafted him, I kind of did more research on it than I did before the draft. Even though they had made it very evident if he was available at twenty two, they were going to take. They him. promised him real early in the draft yeah, process. They was... were high on him early, which I mean that can be a good sign. Also, might be some. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they're higher on him than they should be. Mm-hmm. But I think he has the athleticism to become a decent NBA player. Now, whether he can develop the other tools on the defensive end, especially, because right. we've seen him attack the rim all through college. Oh, He's yeah. good at that. And, <coughs> he can finish. Yeah. It's it's the defensive end, again, that kind of is more suspect for me. I mean, I saw this draft pick, and my first thought was, like, Tony Snell, Denzel Valentine... I'm missing one other guy. I think those two kind I feel of like combined the Bulls is a good mix. Oftentimes, draft kind of that same player in that <clears throat> mid to late first round. Doug McDermott is the other one that I kind of thought of, who's maybe got a little bit more of a on that offensive game. But I definitely think Hutchinson could fit in that role, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, all those guys have been contributing role players, but I'm not sure necessarily where the ceiling is for Hutchinson. He wasn't a risky pick by any means. No. He's a guy that we know can contribute a little bit and can be your ninth or 10th man right now, and hopefully can move up to being your 6th or 7th man later on in his career, but nobody wants him to be an all-star, you know what I mean? Right. Um, should we go through the roster a little bit and kind of do some player-by-player stuff? Sure. Uh, we'll, we'll just go point guard to center. First of all, uh, Chris Dunn, starting point guard for the Bulls. I don't know. Shall I let you guys start on this one? I don't really know what to say about Dunn. Well, you heard, like, rumblings during the summer, how he wasn't living up to the work ethic that was expected of him, from Bulls management, and that was always, that's always a cause for concern, especially for a young player like that. You should think he still has a lot to prove in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Nothing's been promised to him at all, so that's kind of concerning to see that. You hope he can figure that out, kind of, but maybe with the team becoming a little better, it'll kind of drive him a little bit more because he's not somebody that's ever... Obviously, most of these guys are not people that lost a lot before they got to NBA, yeah. otherwise they wouldn't be in the NBA. But you're hoping that Chris Dunn can kind of find that work ethic again and Keep improving because he made some good strides last year. Yeah, I mean, he almost seems older than he is to a lot of us. It's only going to be his third season in the NBA anyway. Right. But, yeah, last season um, with the Bulls, done average. Sorry, i got to find this. Only played 58 games or 52 games. But in those 52, he averaged 13 points up from four in his rookie season. Six assists up from two in his rookie season. And then four boards up from two in his rookie season. So he definitely showed a little bit of a jump. He was near the top of the league in steals, wasn't he? Yeah, I have to, I have to find that real quick. Defensively, he's shown a lot of promise. Two steals, yeah. You'd love to see that. Oh, yeah. and I mean, especially next to a guy like Levine, who is kind of the inverse. Who's a great offensive player we've already seen being able to score. Who is working on his defensive game, but it's not where working he out wants it to be. Word. Or where any of Bulls management wants so, it So, I mean, be. worst case scenario, we know Dunn can go out there and defend. And I definitely think he's got the potential to have some offensive game. He's strong for his position, too. He can penetrate for sure. I'm he's not long. sure if the jump shot is there. 
Um, if it will be. It and, came and went last year. And the shot selection, to me, was one of the worst things about Dunn's game. A lot of pull-up, contested mid-range jumpers that... I agree. Especially with Jabari Parker on the team now and another year of marketing under his belt, I definitely think he's going to have to defer, and probably will, to be more of a pass-first guy, but That's I like smart. the defense. On the bench, we also have campaign. I have not loved what I've seen from him. What do you guys think? I mean, yeah. there's not a whole lot to say. He did some cool dances with Westbrook back in OKC, but... Didn't play a whole lot because they had Westbrook. Right, and uh, I even even if the Bulls become a good team, can he be your... I don't think he can be your third guard. They're going to have to find somebody else. But... I don't think you want him being the guy who leads the second unit. No way. Um, haven't seen that from him yet. I One more thing on Dunn before we move on from point guards, though. Do you guys think that you could be a real contender with Dunn as your point guard? I mean, assuming he continues to develop, could he be the point guard of the future for the Bulls? Because we've seen point guard be one of the most important positions in the NBA. I think the shift in point guard is something that doesn't favor him necessarily. He's not a three-point shooter or really a scorer that much in general. But I think you can move forward with him even if you have him with the second unit because, like Mm -hmm. we said, he's so good defensively. Yeah, I like him as that second or third guard role, but looking at the best teams in the NBA, I mean... Every one of them has a great point guard. Celtics have Kyrie. Warriors have Steph, of course. Westbrook and the Thunder. Lakers have Rondo. Lakers haven't been good yet. They're going to be good this year. If they are, LeBron will be their point guard. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, it's it's been pretty apparent that uh, it's one of the big positions in the league. Lowry in Toronto. um, Simmons in in Philadelphia, hopefully, if they can keep that up this year. But I definitely think that if Levine becomes a great offensive player, he and Dunn can kind of complement each other there at that guard position, which is a good transition into Levine at the starting two guard. Um, paid him a big contract this year, $75 million over four years. He was a restricted free agent, which means that he uh, he was a free agent, had the option to go to other teams and get a contract, but the Bulls had the right to match any contract given. This is happens to a player after his first four years in the NBA, um, and that's where Levine was at in his career development. So... Now the the Kings offered Levine that uh, that massive contract, and the Bulls were in a tough spot. Do you uh, match it and pay him all that money, or do you let him go? And they chose to match it. Um, they chose to match it rather quickly. As what well. do you guys think on that call? I think it's a good call. I think it was risky at the time because you saw the season that he had coming off of the ACL injury. He didn't look like himself at all. No. But you've seen also now in the preseason he looks really explosive. Yeah. And I think I think it's going to pay off for them in the long run, honestly. Nick. Levine? Yeah, I would agree with that. I uh, don't think you can afford to let him go at this point. I mean, this guy has a real a real offensive ceiling that not a lot of guys in the NBA have. And, and it's easy for us to forget about that as Bulls fans who did see him at maybe not his best last year. But looking at the stats in that 2016-17 season for him, 18.9 points a game. That's playing with Townsend Wiggins. Um, three assists, three and a half boards. And then... Uh, dunk contest champion. Dunk contest champion. Shot, um, oh, want it. that's arguable. Shot 80, <laughs> 84% from the free throw line, 39% from three, and then uh, field goal percentage was 46. So definitely a guy that we know can shoot, especially off the pass. I mean, that three-point percentage is probably brought down from some off-the-dribble shots that may not be encouraged. But we know he can slash. We know he can get up. Hopefully that ACL will get back to partial health so he can at least – be, get that explosiveness back, you know? When you look at the situation they were forced when forced to be put into when uh, Sacramento offered him that huge deal, yeah, 
when you have young controllable talent like that I think you have to do everything you can to hold on to it I don't, at that high of a price I don't love the number but it still gives the Bulls two max spots in free agency not that I think they're going to get anybody big but just having that option open and I don't know what else you're going to do with the money at this point so hopefully Levine can develop into the guy you think he can they're not going to win any titles as long as Golden State is still the team that they no, are. No, I mean, there's no reason to the rush window, anything at this point. The window's point. not open right now. Um, once they sign Kyrie and Butler in the, in the summer, it'll look a lot better, but uh, maybe that's not realistic. Yeah. Should we move on to the bench there on the wings? Uh, let's do Valentine and Holiday real quick. Our talk about Hutchison plenty when we did his, um, yeah. we did his, <laughs> his rookie thing. <laughs> so Denzel Valentine, draft pick from a couple years ago. Four year not guy. a lot you can say here, right? Um, supposed to probably be better than he is. Yeah, you'd right think now. so. I, I would have. We we yeah. watched him in the Big Ten tournament that one year. We got to go, Nick. He, uh, yeah. he He's, showed real uh, all around game with uh, some passing that we like to see from that kind of position, and then uh, a defensive game and rebounding and stuff. But he's really turned into more of just a spot up shooter with the Bulls, which I feel like he can do more than that. Um, uh, through the first half of last season, he had the worst plus minus of anybody in the NBA. So that's never good. Doesn't sound great to me. Especially for a guy four years in college under Izzo. They were really expecting him to come in and make an immediate impact, be polished already. You had four years at Michigan State. Uh-huh. And he was one of their best players on that team his senior year. So. Yeah, he was I mean, he was a four year college guy, big ten guy that he was really good in college, but he has not lived up to that in the NBA yet. No. Um, should we touch on uh Ryan Arshiandonato? I don't know how you say his name. Archie Diacono out of Villanova. Uh-huh. Yeah. About Archie Didacano. He's not going to play for them much no. this year. Um, Antonio Blankney, Blake, Blakeney is kind of similar. The uh, G League MVP went off in the G League. Maybe, and then the Bulls signed him to a real contract. Maybe he can put up some uh, second unit points, but whatever. He can score. I don't know if he can play defense or anything. No, like we'll that. see. And then uh, this Cleveland guy is kind of the same way. We'll see about him. Um, Justin Holiday. Well, you saw he had a great game the other night against Indi- Indiana in the. Obviously, it's preseason, but the Holiday boys are all good at basketball, so I'm not worried about him. He can play defense. He's long, kind of a 3 and D type guy. The shot selection is worrisome at times. He comes off of screens and takes bad shots. He's definitely not a a piece of the future, but he's a good mentor for guys like Valentine right now, for sure. I'd agree. Not a lot more you can say about him. It's kind of tough to go with some of these players that haven't really shown us a whole lot or aren't going to be big parts of the future. Uh, Jabari Parker, who uh, the Bulls signed... To that one plus one. We talked about his contract situation, but as far as on the court, I mean, it hasn't looked great in the preseason. He's already been benched for, uh, reportedly for shot selection reasons, and he did not like being benched. He uh, <laughs> said he's uncomfortable in that role and wants to start again. So, so yeah. Jabari, I mean, look, look at him on the roster. He might be able to score, but the shot selection's bad and, frankly, just awful defensively. Well, let's be nice. Let's be nice. We don't have to go there. I mean, you're not wrong, but you didn't have to say it. I mean, good luck. Yeah, just especially as a fit with Mark and Levine really hurts uh, just in the short term with him. So, yeah, we can move on, I think, from Jabari. So now we can finally talk about someone a little more encouraging, Larry Markkinen. Uh Saw a great, great rookie year from him. What came he, in as a uh, set the record for three pointers. Yeah, and a rookie fastest player ever to a certain number of threes. Two hundred, I think, it and, was. and most ever by a rookie, I think, too. Finland. Yeah, I mean, Markkinen is the centerpiece of the future for the Bulls, and I'll be honest, I didn't love the pick when it happened last year. What about you guys? 
Yeah, it's kind of crazy looking back now on that trade. Jimmy Butler kind of screwing up the Minnesota uh-huh. Timberwolves right now. Mm-hmm. But uh, we should talk about that for a little bit longer because that looks great for the Bulls. I the mean, trade's looking really good right now. We honestly. traded one-year Jimmy Butler and Justin Patton, who's turning out great for Minnesota. And the Bulls in exchange got three guys that are all looking, you know, pretty good for the future. But Markkinen is obviously looking the best. Um, yeah. That injury, sidelining him for six to eight weeks, I think, right? Yeah, the elbow injury, sustaining yes. practice. Don't love it, but I mean, winning this year is not a high priority for the Bulls' future anyway. Which I think that's also why the trade made sense to get rid of Jim yeah. Butler last year. Winning was not mm-hmm. what they were going to be doing. Being stuck in neutral like that just wasn't going to cut it, and instead they traded... Uh, him for a, a few guys that really have potential, and now the Bulls are almost right back in that same spot. If you're just talking win-loss record, they might be able to get back to 40 or 42 wins next yeah. year or this year. I think it was the right move, though, finally committing to a rebuild, right? putting them in the right direction. Because like I mentioned earlier, too, the window for winning a championship is not now. No. I mean, I've actually, if it's me, I'd rather the Bulls kind of lose this year and now that Parker's on the roster, it's it's hard because he's going to try and make them win, and it's hard to root against your team to win. But I do think this core isn't going to get it done. And I'm not saying that one more draft pick would put them over the edge to be a future contender, but I'd, I'd like to gather as many assets as we can now while we're at the bottom of the of the NBA. And then maybe you have, a, I don't know, a Zion or a Nasir Little. That might be a little bit high. Maybe it's just a Sikoy Donbuya. Or uh, Romeo Langford, somebody he's from France. Yeah. I'm just flexing on you that draft knowledge. Somebody <laughs> like, I've been looking at, I've been looking at mocks. I'll be honest. Somebody around that eight or nine range would be fine too. Yeah, I'd be fine with them winning like 30, Johnson. low thirties maybe this year. Sure, still then, having a lottery pick. Sure, be twelfth, yeah. be eleventh or twelfth in the East. That's fine. And then maybe make the playoffs next year, and work their way building up in the next few years. I mean, and we'll probably know better by. Uh, December, January to what the plan's going to be. And if the Bulls have a, a bad record at that point, I would not be surprised if Lopez on the trading block. Um, maybe Holiday has some value, but I don't even know if Lopez has value at this point. But I do not think really. trading some of those vets may be in the works, especially the way some of these young guys have looked. Portis has looked really good yeah, in the preseason and last season. might see a breakout year from him this and year. And I, mean, I don't love his game. I still don't think he's got the defensive skill you'd like to have from a big man. But as a third big behind Markman and Carter, it, it really isn't a bad uh, a bad spot for him. Offensively especially, he's looked pretty tough. Yeah, I, I think, like you guys said, they got to just stockpile as much talent as they can right now mm-hmm. while they still have the opportunity to do so. And then, obviously, you're not going to build a championship team th- through the draft solely. Most no. of the time, that doesn't happen. No. I mean, you see it with like, the Warriors Silly. with Steph, Clay, and Draymond. But, but those are all three incredibly good picks, that's too. That's an anomaly, also. At 7, 11, and 35, respectively. Yeah. That's crazy. It does not happen And as they got lucky with Steph's angles. And, yeah. Yeah. So, like, For sure. going along with that, they're going to have to get talent through like free agent signings or trades, things mm-hmm. like that. And Chicago's a big market. Yeah. Free agents are attracted. So I mean, I'm not quite sure if Hoiberg and Garpax are the culture that free agents want, and that's a whole other can of worms that we don't need to open on this podcast because the Bulls' management has not been great last few years, especially PR-wise. I mean, the decision-making, call it what you want, but there's been some bad looks um, since the Jimmy era and the Rondo Wade stuff and all the way to the yeah. Portis and, and Miritich Fight was it was it even fight last year? Yeah, um, more yeah. of just a sucker. Punch. I mean the I think it was the Joe Kim over. the Joe Kim Noah Fred Hoiberg. There's all kinds of stuff you can point to as 
dysfunctional in the Bulls Jimmy organization. Jimmy and Fred Hoiberg, where Jimmy said, you choose me or Hoiberg. Every veteran that's good at basketball and Fred Hoiberg hasn't gotten along. <laughs> um, so the free, free agency has to be a part of the plan now, especially in Chicago. There's Like you said, I mean, what's the best team right now that's only been out of the draft? Philadelphia? Not and that's probably. hitting on two picks like crazy, two generational <laughs> talents in uh, – and Joel and Ben Simmons, and even guys like Reddick were picked up in free agency too. So, well, I mean, it also helps to just have the number one pick and then make them right. sit out for a year and the just have another had, number one. Pick. They've had so many high picks that they're really an anomaly too. But yeah, I definitely think the path has to include free agent signing. And there have been some discussions um, among our friend group actually too, like what is the best free agent signing the Bulls have actually gotten? Because Rodman, it might not actually be that great. I think Rodman's probably the one. But I also looked up kind of a list. There haven't been that many great players to move in free agency anyway. I mean, this recent era of free agency being a big opportunity for players to switch teams, it's not been going on for long. I mean, how many? We came up with a list of like four or five guys that are MVP level talents that have left in free agency Durant, LeBron, Nash, and Shaq. Am I missing one, or is that it? And I mean, two of those guys are in the last five years so I think that's it this is a new era with free agency too so I definitely think that it's on the table for the Bulls to land somebody eventually you know Mm -hmm. whether that's Cousins or probably not somebody next year but could be uh, Anthony Davis probably not but you'd love to see it you have a lot of opportunity moving forward they do a lot of different avenues that they can go down whether it be through the draft tanking hopefully not or free agent signings a lot of that will be You'll see it within, I think, the next three or four years. Sure. Even if it's not an uh, incredible for agent like that, even if it's a Kemba Walker or Chris Middleton next year. I Somebody. mean, you have Kemba, Levine, um, a good draft pick at the three, Markkanen and, and Carter next season could be a 45-win team and get the yeah, five seeds so. easily. It's I mean, playoff team. It's not that you need to make a huge splash in free agency to keep improving. Um, no, just make the right ones. So Chris Felicio and Omar Ashik should get those two out of the way. Ashik in that Miritich trade from New Orleans. He's expiring this year, so basically that trade, the Bulls just understood he wasn't going to get in the way of their future financial plans. They took him on. Meanwhile, New Orleans clear up some space right now while they're contending. So Ashik will be gone after this year. Felicio had a really tough contract. I'm going to look up, look up the terms to make sure, but um, I think he's still got three or four more years left and a significant amount of money. Um, would have liked to see him traded for Carmelo, actually, this summer. That was on the table when the uh, Hawks did the Carmelo trade. There were some some rumblings that Felicio could have been in that one, too, because he had just the right salary for it, but the Bulls chose to sign Parker instead, which, you know, is justifiable for sure. Uh, any thoughts on Ashik and Felicio? Neither Not of them really, really impact good. players. No. I agree. Felicio has some flashes, but I don't think he's going to be there. And then, of course, Robin Lopez, Wendell Carter. We talked about Carter already, so Robin Lopez, probably not going to be part of the future either, right? Is he expiring this year, too? He might be. I'm not sure. Either I mean, way. He's in more of a mentor role at this oh, point yeah, in his it, career yeah. anyway. Hates mascots, has has fought them. But it seems like, good. yeah, he's good for Carter and Portis and those guys and marketing. Yeah. Um, fun personality and a good guy to have around. You guys think Carter might take a starting spot pretty soon here? I think so. I don't think Robin can stay healthy for an 82-game season. It's also true, yeah. Um, so that's pretty much your Bulls preview. I mean, it should be an interesting season. We've given our thoughts. We'll be back around, talk about the Bulls, I'm sure, in a few weeks because maybe give it a month or two. If something happens, we'll be here. But there might not be a whole lot of development with them this year. 
um, storyline has potential wise. for an exciting season. Sure, though. it'll be fun to watch the young guys. And I mean, my highlight—if you ask me, the top thing I'm looking forward to is just the development of those young guys. Just Dunn, Levine, Markin, and Carter are the four that seem to be the core. You know. Yep, I would agree. And then uh, I'm sure we'll get a uh, a Bears episode up again here pretty soon. But they, it is Friday night, and they play in just a couple days, so we didn't want to do that one right before a game. Hopefully they can move to 4-1 and one against Miami on Sunday. Wearing those orange jerseys will be uh, fun to watch. Bear so. down. Bear down. So hopefully uh, good season for the Bulls. Thanks for listening, and we'll get back to you soon.